Oh. Um, I'm going to be starting a sermon series called Reality Check. And we are going to be looking into the things, as I said earlier, that we sometimes take for granted as Christians. Things that we accept about reality that may not actually be biblical. You see, sometimes we use Christian speak, we use Christian language, and we accept these terms and concepts as if they are true, uh, just because we've heard it over and over and over again throughout the years. And it may not necessarily be what Scripture says. And today, in our first message in this series, we are going to look at purpose. And what I mean by purpose is why we are here, why God made us, why we exist. And it occurs to me that often as Christians, even though we believe in uh, salvation by grace through faith alone, we often talk about our purpose in the context of works. What do I mean by that? I mean, I, I exist to glorify God. Okay, what does that mean? For most of us, to glorify God means I do things that bring honor to God's name. As if He made me in order to bring Him glory. Okay? You're thinking, well, what's so bad about that? Well, let's, we're going to talk about that. Or we say, I exist in order to bring people to Christ. But uh, let me ask you this question. How many of the biblical prophets were actually all that successful at that? <laughs> not too many, were they? So were they not fulfilling their divine purpose? There weren't too many successful evangelists that were prophets in Scripture. And I think of pastors who sometimes are put in very small churches full of grumpy people. And their supposed purpose is to win souls and grow the church. And we often say a successful pastor is a person who's really good at that, growing the church and filling the church. But what if your calling is, be, is to a very small church full of grumpy people? You know what begins to happen in those pastors? Because we as pastors equate our calling and our purpose to filling the church, what begins to happen in those pastors? You get discouraged, don't you? But what if our, what if our purpose is it doesn't actually have anything to do with our success. What if we're here for a different reason? A, a reason that is much, much more beautiful and wonderful and glorious than just simply being successful. You see, the idea that being successful uh, is, you know, it's kind of an American thing, isn't it? It's a human thing, but it's especially an American thing. We think that success equals God's blessings. Is that true, yes or no? Yeah, that's how, we, that's how we think. It may not be right, but that's how we think. If I'm successful, that means God has blessed me. If I'm a, a good pastor, the church will fill up and uh, God has blessed me. But what about the pastors and the people that really try? They dedicate their life to serving God or to, to doing what they think is right and biblical, and yet they don't see that same kind of success. What about people that uh, come to this country as immigrants and they were successful back in their home country? 
doctors and lawyers and they find that their training doesn't apply to the United States. And they can no longer be what they thought their life's purpose was or they have to go back to school for years and years in order to attain those degrees. Does that mean that their life's purpose has changed or they can no longer fulfill their life's purpose? What if you find yourself unemployed? Have you lost your purpose? Is it possible that we were made for an entirely different and much more beautiful reason? Before we dig in, let's bow our heads one more time. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and thank you for making us. And we pray today, Lord, that our hearts would be renewed in the fact that, Lord, you made us simply to be with us. And so, Lord, open our hearts to that concept and that truth today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll never forget when I was pastoring in New York, uh, upstate New York, one camp meeting, there was always a staple. You know, every, every camp meeting, conference camp meeting, there's always at least one pastor that's been there forever and they know exactly what to do in order to get camp meeting ready. Maybe you've experienced this before. It's a little bit different in Florida, but uh, in many conferences, it's the pastors who pitch the tents. It's the pastors who put up the electrical and the lighting. It's the pastors who do all these things. And I've always questioned that reasoning because, you know, you've got guys that do other things 50 weeks of the year, and now all of a sudden we're electrical and lighting experts. I have a story I'll tell you sometime about how I almost electrocuted a bunch of people. We won't tell that story now. Accidentally, by the way, accidentally. But uh, I'll never forget that, that camp meeting because the, the staple, the, the patriarch of the New York camp meeting uh, couldn't be there because he'd had a stroke. He was getting older and he'd had a stroke. And I'll never forget, uh, they said, you know, he's not really struggling with not being at camp meeting. He's not really struggling with some of the other things in life. What he's struggling with is that he can't preach anymore. As you know, some folks that have, that have suffered strokes have a hard time getting the words out. And this was a man that dedicated his life to preaching, and now he can't preach anymore. And he felt like he'd lost direction, and he'd lost purpose in life, like he, he, he didn't know why he existed anymore. And, and I'll never forget that. It went, ran through my mind, and I asked myself the question, if you could no longer be a preacher, would you lose your life's purpose? Would you know what you're here for? We often uh, define ourselves and our life's purpose within the context of works and deeds and action and success. And uh, we think that because we're good at our job or good at are the thing that we love to do, if we're good at that, that means, and we even say things like, well, he's really found his purpose in life. You ever use that phrase before? You hear people use that phrase before? Well, they've really found their purpose in life. Well, as we said before, what about that pastor that goes to that church that's really struggling? What about that person that has, seems to have lost their job? What about that situation where uh, you can no longer be as successful as you used to be? Does that mean you've lost your life's purpose? We even say, as I mentioned before, that our life's purpose is to glorify God, but what if you're lousy at that? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but probably all of us 
should come to the point where we realize we are terrible at bringing glory to God. Come on! If you can't admit that, you're a bunch of self-righteous gas bags. I mean, we're terrible at it. We have, we have a, a, a good moment here and a good moment there, but overall, we stink. So, I mean, He's the, the almighty, infinite God of the universe, and we're supposed to bring glory to Him as if He needs us to do that? As if the God of the universe is dependent on us to bring glory to His name so the whole world will, or the whole universe will know. That's such a ludicrous idea. Have you ever seen these uh, videos about how tiny we really are in the grand scope of all of the universe? We're not even a speck on a speck on a speck. Which is why, you know, by the way, a little sidebar here, the idea of working our way to salvation is ridiculous. I've got to live the right way. Think about that. We are this tiny little speck on a speck in the entirety of the universe, and you're telling me there's something that I can do that would get that God's attention enough to say, okay, you, you've earned salvation. It's ridiculous. Our planet is so small, and we are so small even on our own planet. You can't even see us when you back the camera up and look at our, our galaxy. You can't even see our sun. And we are one one millionth the size of our sun. So you're telling me there's something I can do that would make God pay attention to me. Are you kidding? It's all grace and mercy. All of it. And so the fact that these little tiny creatures on this little tiny planet could somehow bring glory to a God that made all of that. Yes, there's ways that we can, but to think that He's dependent on us to do that for Him, it's ridiculous. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need you. He wants you. He loves you. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more here in just a minute. What does the Bible really say? What is the reason that God made you and me? And I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And if we are going to look at, if God in a, in a synopsis was able to just sort of summarize the purpose for mankind existing, where would we turn? We'd have to turn to Jesus, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we have to turn to the life of Christ? Because when you look at the life of Christ, He is everything that God intended for us to be. Fully connected with Him. Fully uh, in step with Him. Obedient, loving, and selfless, and good. All of God's intentions for mankind were summed up in Jesus Christ. But I want you to see this. This is incredible. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 23. It's a verse probably you've read and read, and 
maybe glossed over and haven't really grasped before. Uh, We'll begin in verse 22, just for context. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of by the prophet. So Matthew, by the way, in Matthew's book, he's constantly quoting Old Testament Scripture to show that Jesus is the promised one. And so verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and do what? Give birth or bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So all of God's intents and purposes for mankind were summed up in Jesus. And God picks a name for his son through the prophet. And what is that name? God with us. Emmanuel. So if we were to look at the life of Christ, we were to look at his ministry, we were to look at his, uh, his teachings and ultimately what he did for us on the cross, let me ask you this question. What was God's purpose for mankind? You just read it. God with us. God with us. Not to follow Him. To be with us. That's it. The reason we were made is to be with God. That's it. The reason that He put this world into motion and said, let there be light and said, you know, let there be animals and grass and air and all the laws of nature and all, all the, 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 the rules of science and all of this. The only reason He did it is to be with us. You are made to be with God. You can fail at your job and still fulfill your life's purpose. You can struggle to be a good witness and still fulfill your life's purpose. The ability to preach for preachers can be taken away and you can still fulfill your life's purpose because you were made for no other reason other than being with God. We're going to find out here in just a few minutes that that other stuff is your calling. Is your what? Your calling. God calls people to be pastors. God calls people to be teachers. God calls people to be mechanics and doctors and lawyers. That's your calling. And fulfilling your calling, by the way, as you struggle and as you learn and as you work with people and as you live in this world, through your calling, guess what it does? It leaves you to better understand your purpose, which is to be with God. You following that? Yes or no? It's an important concept. Kids, you weren't born, you weren't made to get good grades. Mr. Cruz is saying, please, Pastor, don't say that to them. Please don't say that to them. Now, I'm not saying you can you know, just throw away your textbooks and quit studying. But the reason that we are to learn is so that we can know more about God, and by knowing more about God, what happens? We got closer to Him to fulfill our purpose. Everything in life that is good and holy is designed to draw us closer to God so that we can be with Him. So that pastor that was sent to that lousy church full of grumpy people, you can win zero souls, pastor, and still... Fulfill your purpose. 
Because God has called you to that church to be with Him. And that means if you're called to struggle for a while, your purpose is to learn some things because He's drawing you closer to Him. Does that make sense? You can lose your career. Your marriage can fail. You can be a lousy witness for a time in your life and still be being drawn closer to God. Now, I'm not saying those things are something to shoot for by any means. But I'm saying it can happen in this this journey of life. We're going to go through those times and we're going to ask ourselves the question, do I have purpose anymore? Why am I here? And God says, wait. You were made to be with me. Let's look at this in the creation story. Um, We see this in creation. Go to Genesis chapter 2 with me. Genesis chapter 2. And... uh, do we see this in the creation story? Now, there's something interesting about uh, Eastern thinking, and especially ancient Eastern thinking. Have you ever been reading the writings of Paul, and you just get so confused, you're like, I, I, can't, I can't understand this. You ever had that experience before? I have. One of the reasons that is true is because, especially in the ancient East, they would reason, and even to some degree today in some of the Asian countries and things, You see, in the West, we reason, we give you our thesis statement. We give you the whole point, and then we give you supporting points. That's how we reason or argue points in the West. In the East, it's the other way. They'll give you all the supporting points and then give you the thesis. You following that, yes or no? And so it's sometimes hard for us in the West to read the thinking of those in the East because we're saying, what is your point here? We get frustrated with that because I just don't see the point here. I see all these details and things and I don't get it. We see this very thing in the creation week as well. And so really sometimes, if you're having a hard time understanding the Bible, find the thesis statement and then read backwards from it. You can actually better understand it sometimes. And that's the way it is with Paul. And you know what? The same goes for the creation story. Let's start at the end. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Have you got it? It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all His work which He had done in creation. What I'm going to tell you is that the whole reason God did everything He did in the other six days is because this was the whole purpose. The Sabbath was the whole purpose for creation. Why is that? What was Jesus' name? God with us. Let me ask you this question. Does God know everything? Does God know everything before it happens? So I'm going to give you a little concept that you might have to sort of work out in time, but this is absolutely biblical. God knew you before you were ever alive. God has been madly in love with you for eternity. 
You weren't alive, but he knew you. So let's think about this. Have you ever been, uh, maybe some of you are artists, builders, engineers, architects. Uh, maybe you like to doodle. Maybe any, any project that you envision ahead of time. You've got it in your mind, what it needs to look like. Or maybe you've written it down on paper, but you need to actually physically bring it into being before the dream is realized. And then you work on it, Correct? You work on it, and you build it, and you make it, you make it a reality, and then when it's done, your painting is done, your sketch is done, your building is built, it's all done, you sit back and admire the dream that was in your heart. Are you following me? This is what creation was. The Sabbath wasn't instituted because God was tired. The Sabbath was instituted because God's work was finished. The joy of his heart was realized. And, you know, right before the Sabbath, he created mankind. Now think about this. All of God's purposes for mankind, all of God's character was summed up in Jesus. The Bible also tells us that all the fullness of the Godhead, all of God's intents and purposes, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were working together in the person of Jesus Christ. And God chose a name for Himself in that state. And what was it? It was God with us. God chose a name for Jesus for which whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. And at the same time, he, was, he showed us what mankind was always made for, and He chose a name. God with us. He could have chosen any name. He could have chosen a name that meant King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He could have chosen a name that said, Honor me or glorify me. He could have chosen any name, but the name He chose for Himself was God with Diane and God with Dustin and God with Sandy. That's his name. So I want to submit to you an idea, and I think this is absolutely true. Do you know what made the Sabbath holy? You know what made the Sabbath holy? It wasn't simply God saying, okay, my work is done, bam, there's a holy day. All of you worship on that day. Does that sound like God to you? No. Ain't it all you've even heard preachers say, you know, it's good for you to rest on the Sabbath, which it is. We need to rest. We need to stop from our stresses and from our cares and things. That's absolutely true, but I don't think that's the reason that the Sabbath is holy. If you look at the rest of the creation week, the Sabbath stands by itself, alone. The other days, they have a companion day. You see, day one goes with day four. And what I mean by this is that in day one, he created a space. On day four, he began to fill that space. Day two, day five. Day three, day six. On the left-hand side of the column, God makes a space. And on the right-hand side of the column, God fills that space. He makes the sky, then he fills the sky with life. He makes the land, and he fills the land with life. But the seventh day is different. The spaces and the life were all done. And it's set apart. Why is the Sabbath holy? Is it simply because an arbitrary God sat back on His throne and said, Bam! That's holy. If you don't keep it, you're in trouble. 
You know why the Sabbath is holy? Because God's heart bubbled over with such joy that you and I would now come to be that it resulted in the day being a blessing and being holy. The God of the universe has been in love with you and me for eternity. He's known us intimately. And when he made Adam and Eve, and when it was all done, and he made this beautiful place for us to live in, he finally sat back and said, Yes! My children will come! Why is it that we celebrate birthdays? We keep those birthdays every year. Why? Because it's special, isn't it? The Sabbath is the birthday celebration of mankind. But not just the birthday celebration. It's the first time that God and man walk together in the garden. Now let me ask you this. Did God need Adam to tend the garden? There wasn't even any sin yet. Nothing needed to be tended. You following me? Let me ask you this question. Did Adam need Eve? In other words, let me ask you this question. Was Adam walking around Eden going, Oh, Lord, I'm so lonely. Where is my female to fulfill my life? He's with God in perfection. Adam is not lonely. It was God who said, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam may have been curious. You know, there's a male and female giraffe. There's a male and female monkey. It's just me. But Adam wasn't going, oh Lord, I need my other half. I need my soulmate. No. Those two things are not biblical concepts, by the way, at all. I hear pastors say that stuff all the time. It's not biblical. I'll tell you where it comes from here in just a second. Adam was in perfection, walking with the Lord face to face. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need to be further fulfilled. So why did God make Eve? Let us make mankind, man and woman, in our image, after our likeness. So do you know why God made Eve? So that Adam could know more about who God is. Everything in creation was designed so that a finite created being could know an infinite glorious God. Marriage is not for your pleasure first. Sexuality is not for your pleasure first, not primarily. Those are wonderful byproducts, but the purpose is so that we can draw closer to God. Married people, people that have been married for a while, has your marriage drawn you closer to the Lord? <laughs> sometimes in joy and sometimes in hardship. But that's what it's for. And, you know, we, we get off track with that stuff. And that's where so many people make all these mistakes. They think, I can't be fulfilled until I find my soulmate. You want to hear a story? You want to hear a story, yes or no? One day, 
mankind was walking around, and in those days, mankind had two heads, four arms, and four legs. And one day, mankind decided that they were going to climb up Mount Olympus and throw Zeus off from his throne. So Zeus, in order to to punish mankind, decided that he was going to come down and cut mankind in half. Ever cursing them to search for their other half or their soul mate to be fulfilled or completed. Those two concepts are not biblical. In fact, what does Jesus say about marriage? Let the two become one. He doesn't say, let the two halves become one. You see, until you are fulfilled in Jesus, you will never have a happy marriage. This idea of, you complete me, honey. No. Jesus is the only one that completes us. And if you're expecting a human being to do that for you, you are going to be sorely mistaken. God made marriage so that we can learn more about Him. Just like the reason He made the grass and just like He made the trees and the air and the ocean and the mountains. All of this, as Romans 1 tells us, was designed to teach us about God. God said, I'm going to make a place. Not only can I place the people that I've loved from eternity and that I've known from eternity past, I can place them there and be with them, but Everything that I do, the way the world spins and the way the clouds move and the way the rain comes and the way the oceans ebb and flow, everything is going to exist to teach them about me so that I can draw them closer to myself. God made this world and he made us to be with him. Period. End of story. You are made to be with God. All he has ever wanted is to be with you. That's why, you know, we we so desperately, God so desperately wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We are his temple and he wants to dwell in us in the temple of our hearts. We're, We're meant to be with God and God is with us in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's doing what he's doing in the heavenly sanctuary so that he can draw us closer, cleanse our hearts, free us from the things that separate us, and dwell in us. The whole plan, the whole purpose of life is to be with God. And yet we rush, rush, rush. And we blow through the hours of the Sabbath. And we stress and we worry and we think, you know, I was made to succeed. No, you weren't. You are made to be with God. You can be an utter failure in the eyes of the world and still fulfill your life's purpose. Again, we should strive for to to, to do our calling well. Amen? It's not like we just coast as students. Well, the pastor said the whole reason I'm here is to be with God. And so, you know, I don't need to study. I don't need to worry about my job. I can, you know, just kind of coast because I'm here to be with God. No. Again, because the calling that he has us in can lead us to our greater purpose. 
we should see every calling of our lives for that reason. Be a mechanic for Jesus. Be an architect for Jesus. Be an engineer for Jesus. Those callings lead us and help us to understand the reason for, our reason for being. But don't you ever, ever, ever think that you're made for any other reason than to be with God. God put Adam in the garden. He said, tend the garden. Did God need Adam to tend the garden? No. So why did he tell Adam to tend the garden? Because as he was pruning those leaves and shaping those flowers and picking that fruit, what was it going to do? Teach him more about the Creator. And as he was doing those things, he and the Creator became closer and closer and closer. Everything God did in creation. And that's why it was so, God's heart was so overjoyed because everything that was made in this world was to draw the people that he loved from eternity past, you and me, was to draw us closer to him so that we may know him. All he has ever wanted is to be with us. That's it. And everything that he ever called us to, from cutting the grass to sweeping the floor to getting married and having a family was so that we may know him. If he calls you to fail, he's calling you closer to him. How does that sit with you? We don't like it, do we? But sometimes that has to happen for that purpose, amen? God is more concerned with your eternal destiny than He is your short-term comfort. And if He has to cause short-term discomfort to lead you to your eternal salvation, He will do it in a second. Because all He's ever wanted is to be with you. If he calls you to succeed, he's calling you closer to him. If he calls you to be married, he's calling you closer to him. If he calls you to be single, he's calling you closer to him. If he calls you to be a mechanic or an architect or an engineer or a teacher or whatever his calling is, he is calling you closer to him because your purpose in this world, your reason for being is to be with God. He went to the cross to make sure that could happen. He's coming again. For what reason? Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. The whole thing from beginning to end has only been about God trying to be with us. So why do we try so hard to run away from Him? All God's ever wanted is to be with you and me. And we say, oh no, my purpose in this world is to make money. My purpose in this world is to, you know, put on a good Christian face and think that I'm bringing glory to God. You know how you bring glory to God? By being with Him. Do you know how I know that's true? Moses. Moses went up on the mount to be with God. Remember that story? And when he was with God and when he came down, what did he look like? His face was shining with the presence of the Lord. You want to glorify God, then fulfill your life's purpose. Be with Him. And realize that that's the reason He made you and me. Be with Him. 
Saying, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got my Christian checklist of all the things that I think I have to do in order to glorify God. And the Lord's saying, forget the checklist, just be with me and I guarantee you eventually the checklist will get checked off. But as long as you're looking at the checklist, you're not looking at the one who made you. Focus is in the wrong place. He calls us to be with Him. The purpose of our life isn't to succeed. It's not even to reflect His glory, primarily. The reason that we are alive is to be with God. So as you go from this place, you should look at every blade of grass differently. Every tree and every flower. Every person made in the image of God. We need each other because as we see each other, we see a different part of the character of God. All he's ever wanted is to be with us. And all he ever did and has ever made is to be with you and me. He went to the cross to make sure that can happen. He's coming again to make sure that can happen. So change the way you look in the mirror. Don't look, at, look and say there's a failure. What do you mean? Your purpose is to be with God. There's someone that's not beautiful or attractive. What do you mean? God loved you so much in eternity past that when it was possible for you to be alive, he was so overjoyed it resulted in the holiness of a day, in the blessing of a day. God was so overjoyed when you would be alive that idea made him create this world and everything in it. You are made to be with God. It's time that we surrender our hearts to that purpose and say, Lord, I want to be with you too. I'm going to stop running. You ever feel like you can't be content or happy? You ever feel like you can't be successful? Ever feel like you're a failure? It's because you are weighing success with the wrong scale. You know how to be successful? Fulfill your purpose. Your purpose is to be with God. You want to be with Him? Let's stand together and sing our closing song.